actually see you in a regular way. I don't look like oh. I'm in space oh my god i love it it's so good to see you jen oh my god i always think about you because i mean it like you when when i came into your class i was like this woman is changing my life I, oh, I know, you said you said this was what this was what like set me off you were like my son lived in my body for nine months so he has my last name and i was like Wait, she is, she, she gets it. And I was like, yeah. yes. And that was like what set me off. And then I graduated with a degree in gender. And it was like, because of your class, like oh, it just changed the way that I see the world. And this is being recorded, right? So I can yes. have access to this compliment. Yes. We have to put this up on the internet for, for okay. everyone, for as a okay. testimonial to your class, seriously. Oh, thank you. But so, you know, it's funny. I started this, I started this series where I've been talking to women and girls about their experiences and their bodies because I was sitting like in quarantine in LA being like, what matters anymore? Like, what's the point of anything? And if I'm going to do something, like if, if this is like my last year on earth, it better be something that matters that I make. Yeah. Right. So well, that's, that's wonderful. wonderful. Yeah, that's where this all kind of started. And I'm serious, like gender studies, like I think it really was so formative to the way that I like just learn and, and see mm -hmm. the world. And I have been thinking like, I I think that my body and growing up in a fat body, it was definitely like indicative of that decision. Like mm -hmm. I feel like the story of my body is so personal to me and it fully shaped the way that I see the world. And it influenced the decision to study gender at IU because of my experience and my body. Like I wanted to understand my body better. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's so applicable to gender yeah. sexuality and like getting a better understanding of who we are as individuals mm -hmm. um, rather than like this idea of women, men, um, mm -hmm. thin body people, fat body people. Like it's, how do we look at people as individuals rather than like this giant cluster of just labels, right? Yeah, I think I like that story um, because I often talk to my students, my grad students in particular, who have just gone whole hog into this, right? Yeah. But what I see from gender studies majors and how I could talk about it for me is that not, uh, not a lot of people go into gender studies because the world has been working out great for them personally, right? right? We start studying things because we're like, oh, like, I mean, if you're the prom queen who, you know, like everything works out well for you, then you're not going to start reading about, you know, so most people come to this major from this feeling of they're queer, they're fat, they're nerds. They're other. Yeah. 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 And that kind of starts us sort of being like, oh my God, somebody has talked about this. Somebody has written right. about this. These are my people. Right. I had reached out to you yeah. because I was like, Jen, I'm, like I said, you were so formative in my collegiate studies. And I, you sent me your website. I went onto your website and just like, so I am recording this. So I want everybody to understand on your website to get a better picture of who you are. There is a photo of your tattoo, which says, patriarchy <laughs> with a, a rose and a hammer right yeah. yeah I said I want it to say smash the patriarchy but I want it to also look like a seventh grade girl's bedroom right <laughs> like I want snow white I want like right. flowers and I wanted the birds from snow white no no Cinderella 
the ones that help her make the dress, right? Remember the little birds yes, that like yes, they pull. Yes. So I wanted the little birds <laughs> yes, yes. to be part. Okay. Yeah. So like that is such a thank I you think, good I like iconography of who you are. Yeah. So anyway. I want to ask you, I can imagine that like you've heard experiences and you've read experiences about women and their bodies specifically um, and like how society treats them. Basically, I just want to have a conversation with you about bodies in space, right? Roxanne Gay, like when I read her book, it was the first time that I had heard somebody say like my body in space and like Mm -hmm. that just was a really good wrapper for me to understand what our bodies are doing. They're just taking up space. That is what they're doing. And mm-hmm. and the way that people perceive us is based on the amount of space that we take up a lot mm-hmm. of time as well. Right. It's obvious, and you probably know as much about this or more than I do, but, uh, you know, it's very gendered, right? Of course, how we yeah. can take up space. I mean, Roxane Gay talks about this, like, from all of the stuff of like five years ago now or something about like manspreading mm-hmm. and stuff. So there's a particular way in which femininity is coded as taking up a very particular kind of space that's generally smaller, right? So I don't remember who uh, said that, here's a way to understand gender. Men go to the gym to get bigger and women go to get smaller. Mm-hmm. And like that says... I think an enormous amount of how the term is proprioception and that's your sense of your body in space and one's proprioception of their body moving through space. I mean, this has been quite a thing for disability studies too. Mm, Like what does it mean to have a body that moves and takes up space differently? Um, But yeah, I've always thought that the, the kinds of bodies that are, normed or allowed are very much gendered bodies, which is not to say that men also, you know, you know from class that men go through body image stuff themselves. Um, Gay men um, tend to particularly like, I don't want to say all gay men, obviously, but I mean like bar scenes and dance club, you know, that is very much a a highly body conscious world. Uh, But yeah, when you think about the body as something as simple as just how you inhabit the world, And then, but you also think about, and you know, all the ways in which how femininity inhabits the world and all the ways in which we don't kind of have inhabit the world organically. And that there's always that little voice saying like, does this look okay? Can I wear this with these shoes? Not only, you know, will I look like rapeable or like a slut, but also like, do I look too big? Is this too, you know, like very few uh, acculturated, adequately acculturated young women, like, walk across a quad at a university without like sucking in their stomachs before they even know that they're doing it. And it's almost like the simmer of COVID, right? I wouldn't say that you're oppressed in a way that like, you know, like in a Black Lives Matter kind of real uh, way, but it's like that simmer. You're kind of always aware, like, you might be white, you might be middle class, you might not be, you might be not disabled. So you've got that but just that everyday sense of like, there's a, okay, yeah, I'm gonna cry, right? And the point that you don't even notice it, right? That you're not even consciously sitting down and like sitting with a friend and you cross your legs and you put the pillow right here. And really it's all about like, oh, if I sit like this, then you're gonna see that. 
and that those decisions are made in such a split second to the point that they're not even like decisions. They're right. just how we think about how we can be and, right. and sad. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like it's, we're so conditioned into this idea of gender performance, I guess, right? Like that there are so many things that we do, habits that we have that have infiltrated our daily lives, mm -hmm. which, which now we interpret as gender identity, I would, I would say, right? Yeah. And I think it's, I do think it's different for cisgendered. Yes acculturated men in heterosexual men in general. And I'm always, of course, we don't see this now because we're in a plague, but it always, and I'm originally from LA. So props for you for being there for 10 months. <laughs> I don't, do you remember Amy Schumer talking about when she was in LA and she was just like, and my arms? Yeah, they were like registered as thighs. Yes. <laughs> like I'm an octopus in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. I had to grow up there. Right. right. <laughs> but like, it's even worse there. But when I moved to the Midwest, when I was in Wisconsin and then here, um, I would notice a kind of a, more of a bodily ease on the part of young women, at least in college, but a particularly around men, right? Like, so as soon as it gets hot and they take their shirts off and, you know, I don't see, I, I see far fewer men, like they don't, it doesn't care. I'm like, oh, you have a belly. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, good for you for taking your shirt off, right? Like, I'm not saying they shouldn't, but it's like right. the fact that, like, I wonder if that dude agonized over that or if he was just like, it's hot. Right, right. Well, I think we're right. always just be like, can I? What it's is that constant like surveillance of everything yeah. that's going on with the body, right? Like, and it's okay. an inner surveillance. You've taken it on here. It doesn't necessarily mean that you walked out. It's not just about catcalling, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's you know, uh, John Berger, right, called it the little man that lives inside. All appropriately, always in scare quotes, enculturated feminine women. Right. right, right. If there's always a little voice talking to us, yeah. so feeling, how do we look? In yeah. Totally. The ideas that we have around masculinity, we ease those. We ease mm -hmm. the, we ease the, what would you call it? Like the, the or, physical pressure on them to, mm -hmm. which I mean, clearly like being hegemonically good looking lubes everybody's way in the world, right? And particularly, you know, there's certain elements of masculinity, again, around like club culture, gay culture, that's, right. that's uh, I think, kind of almost replicates uh, the way femininity is policed in some ways. Um, or on, say, like Grindr, like I have a lot of gay male friends who were like, the, the way in which body types are just knocked out of the running in terms of like dating. And I have, because I'm so old, like I, I actually haven't been, and I don't know what it's like on tinder or something i mean i imagine there's all kinds of for heterosexuals there's all kinds of straight dudes who are like i don't want no fat chicks or something i can imagine it's oh, awful for sure that's yeah. that stating so difficult especially now in a world where we're only living online right like you have to make decisions based on like five photos that you see of me you know when you see someone across a bar or a place we all like make these physical you know, these quick um, kind of attraction things. And that's all kind of based on what we've learned to desire, right? Mm -hmm. And in the old world, like pre-COVID or even pre-internet dating, you've probably had the experience where you haven't thought someone was all that attractive, like you weren't into them. And then something happens. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, 
right? Like, but if you simply saw them, you'd be like, oh no. You know, so we all make these snap judgments on what we learn about desire. But hopefully, you know, you have 20 conversations and or whatever, and you're out with them. And finally you're like, hey, <laughs> I think now all of a sudden I, I do want to fuck you. <laughs> right, right. Training ourselves on on desire, right? Is that what, yeah, like that's so interesting. Do you feel like it's a learned behavior where men, right, like they idealize this, this image of women and femininity and, um, but that's all learned, right? I wouldn't say it's learned so much as, as it's absorbed, right? Okay. Right, it's like the definition of hegemony in class. Fish don't mm-hmm. notice that they're swimming in water. Right. So it's not as if they, you know, someone tells them you want to have deep cut breasts and the rest should look like a gymnast. Right. I tend to think it's like, to paraphrase Hannibal Lecter, okay. science lamp, you covet what you see. Mm-hmm. right? So your first exposures to what is hot and what is sexy are generally our images. And those images are almost always curated. Mm-hmm. So when you first start having sexual desire, the images that are available to you tend to be really idealized images because they're models, they're in porn and they are, you know, hairless, whatever. It's very difficult to reverse desire right Mm -hmm. it's it's sort of like an imprinting like the little duckling following the mother the first my first exposure to adult sexuality was a slumber party where we rummaged around to find somebody's dad's copy of playboy so that to me was the original images that gave me that funny feeling a little bit low in my tummy and that was sexuality so You know, I can't, I think it's silly to say, oh, we just need to make all those images go away and you need to, I think that's somewhat of the failure of certain kinds of feminist porn that's like, we'll just bring in all these other body images. I think that's good because the more exposure, the better. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's not so much learned, but it's just like, what's out there? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I think. Right. And that's kind of, I've been having these conversations and that's like a lot of like the, the sentiment of like, we just need more visibility, fat bodies. That's not going to be bad. That's going to be good. Exactly. Yes. I mean, when I think, when I think about it being like absorbed, Mm -hmm. right. If you are, um, particularly, although not only if you are identify as heterosexual, Mm -hmm. right. I think as a girl and, um, a woman, you know, if you are into men, Mm-hmm. and you are and you have also absorbed those messages and you know that they've absorbed those messages and you do want to be with men so because that's actually what you desire you're gonna it's gonna be really difficult I mean I think people do it but I, it's gonna be really difficult to not be con- always conscious of this is what I know is what everybody sees and everybody desires so I'm going to totally do my best to get that. You know, I hear sometimes students will say, well, it's about women, right? Women are each other's worst enemies. They're the most critical of each other. And I think that's true sometimes, but it shouldn't be at all surprising if we're all taught that the, you know, what you, the goal, right? Remember from class, your wedding is the happiest day of your life. I mean, of course, another woman is always going to be a potential rival right. to that golden ticket right. that is supposed to give you, you know, you could have a great job and all that stuff, but, you know, Brides Magazine is still there, relationships are still there. So it's an excellent way to create competition 
between women and then mainstream culture can say, oh no, it's not men, it's you two critiquing each other. It's you guys picking on each other. And it's like, well, of course we are. Any other woman is gonna be getting the way of what is supposed to be my life's purpose, right? So it's a real excellent way to set up between women in a way that makes me particularly, makes me see. And a lot of like, for me, like I just remember being a little girl, like 11 years old, 15 mm -hmm. years old and having nowhere to look because curve models, plus size models, like they were not a thing until very mm -hmm. recently. Yeah, try the 80s in Los yeah. Angeles. Oh yeah, the 90s, all of it. I know. Yeah. So it's just like we are event. We're gonna get there, but it's like we need to talk about it and we need to mm -hmm. educate people about gendered identity and about mm -hmm. bodies in space and about mm -hmm. desire and about mm -hmm. sexual imagery because it's all connected. It is <laughs> really mm -hmm. is. That's the goal. That's, <laughs> that's why you're do. That's why you're doing the goddess's work. <laughs> yes, the goddess. Yes, exactly, exactly. So my uh, baby daddy <laughs> moved to the states in like '87, I think, from uh, England. And when he first got here in like '87, he was shocked. He said that he was like, "All Americans have the same teeth." You know, we're all like, yeah, right. And it's the same in Britain now, because cosmetic dentistry, all of that is exactly the same. But it certainly wasn't in the 70s and 80s. And he was so surprised, because like having crooked teeth would be like having hazel eyes. Interesting. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and now, I mean, I'm, I keep wanting that for us to be able to look at bodies that way, right? Like Yes, absolutely. Right. Like there is your body. Exactly. Like that's, that is the point, right? Like that's the point. We all, there is no ideal body image because we cannot, we can't all achieve that. Like that's just, we can't all get there. We can't all have blue eyes in the same exact right. way. Right? I mean, saying that as soon as I say that though, I'm like, well, cosmetic surgery and stuff is, I mean, we do it sure. from nose ups to everything else, but there's like, there's only so many, like you could not turn your face into my face. I mean, you right. could for a hundred thousand dollars come pretty close, but we're all just, I mean, these are just like, that'd be like right. saying, oh, I want to make sure my elbow has a dent here and not there. Yeah. Because only if you have a dent there, are you hot? Like I want us to get to that level of absurdity. Yes. No, that's how we think of bodies. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. Like, yeah. And I think it's understanding like body type rather than yeah, you're thin or fat, right? Like mm -hmm. this is my body type. Like this is mm -hmm. just, there are, there are dozens of body types and this right. is mine. And I do not have the same body type that, mm -hmm. um, Gigi Hadid has. Like we are just right. different. We're in different, like, categories so right. right for me to compare myself to her that's right. absurd it's absurd right. we're like not you're saying like I really want to be a professional baseball player right like that's you know what I mean it's that far I think about this with parenting and like someone once said to me like the only thing you can make your child is miserable there's no way, let's say I was super invested in baseball I was obsessed mm -hmm. and I was like and I have this boy and I just really Jack will never want to play baseball, right? right? And I could make him miserable and force him to. So you or me, if we wanted to be miserable all the time and never eat food mm -hmm. and devote our entire existence to our workouts, um, 
we could approximate it, but and and, so and some people naturally some people could do it easier because they have that body type. Exactly. But I'm telling you, Gigi Hadid is not eating. I mean, right. I don't think she's eating. <laughs> right, right. She also came out the womb like very different than I did. Right? Uh, she's like, seven feet tall and she's, it's like Michael Phelps, right? It's yeah. like, yes, that is a swimmer. Mm -hmm. And that is a genetic blip. Mm -hmm. And supermodels are genetic mutants. Mm -hmm. And and good, yeah, I'm glad they're using their mutation to yeah. make some money. Yes. But they are not... That's not average. Exactly. I mean, that's, there's so much bigger of a swap yeah. of people. And it's so yeah. problematic that, like, that's the image that we are all taught as beauty. And that's the mm -hmm. ideal. And that's how you have to get there at some point in mm -hmm. your life. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I read your essay about shoplifting and infertility. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that essay. You dealt with infertility. and. Uh -huh. And you felt like this lashing outness and and in shoplifting. And mm -hmm. you talk about after getting caught, you had this thought of this was the place for people like me, people who think the universe runs via a system of payback such that pilfered accessories could balance existential rage. And it was like that idea of like, like good, I you. wrote that. You wrote that. Um, <laughs> like, fuck you world. You were supposed to give me this experience and I don't have it. And I got cheated from that. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take this out on you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah. that I was able to relate to that because that's how I feel about my body, right? Like my entire childhood was chasing this image that I, I could never achieve. And I felt like I got cheated. This is so unfair. Why me? Why did I have to live in this body? And the hard thing is that I think a lot of femininity teaches you to turn that rage inward, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not making, I wasn't making political change when I like stole a necklace. Uh, mm -hmm. I was doing something emotional and psychological, but I think so many times, you know, our anger at our body then gets turned towards our body, right? right? Uh, so self-cutting, self-harming, anorexia, bulimia, uh -huh. Uh -huh. all of that stuff. I think that is an expression of rage, but it gets channeled into the self. How right. old were you? I'm just curious. How old were you as a kid when you started to feel like your body wasn't right? I was like 11. You're almost an adolescent, right? That's kind of when your hips start coming in a little right. bit. And, right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't Macy's fault that I couldn't get <laughs> pregnant when I wanted to, that it took so long. But also that was really gendered, right? Because we get all this, this stuff about like, well, it's kind of your fault. I mean, you waited until you were uh, 37 to try. We all know fertility starts dropping. That's just a fact, right? You know, you selfish career woman, like if you really wanted to get, I mean, Honestly, the best advice from a purely biological perspective, Dolly, is you should be pregnant next year, right? Oh, yeah. Culture doesn't, <laughs> culture, but we don't live in a culture that supports that. That's right. the thing. When we feel like we've been cheated of an opportunity, of a, of a life, of an experience, we turn towards critiquing and being angry at ourselves mm -hmm. rather than understanding where that's coming from. And that's something that I can relate to with my body of like, I hate, I hate you body. Like you have let me down time and time again, because I've been judged. I've been called names. I've been, 
uh, denied access to spaces. Uh, I've been denied opportunities. I've been, you know, all these things that I'm so mad that my body has not allowed me to have. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like questioning everybody else. Yeah, Mm -hmm. being critical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's all kinds of bodies that don't allow people to be who they need to be, right? Including male bodies or whatever. But when you're talking about fat and body size, that is so tied to femininity, I think, specifically, right? Like black bodies are denied access. Like there's all kinds of other ways in which bodies don't, are going to inhibit one's movement through Mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to femininity and body size, I feel like that's very, very specific to a gender, which again, is not to say you might have people be like, no, I know this guy who's really worried about being fat. I know that's the case. I know that there are people that do this. The dieting industry is not oriented. In fact, when you watch an ad for dieting stuff for men, I remember like a slim fast or something, Jenny Craig, they always have to like butch it up, right? right? Like, I'm a dude, I just want to fit into my khakis better. Whereas it's just, it's in the water of femininity from Mm -hmm. the moment you come in to this world. It's Mm -hmm. just like there. It's in your fucking Barbies, Mm -hmm. right? And I appreciate that they're doing these Barbies with different body sizes and whatever. Again, that's great. But, you know, I didn't have that. I wonder if I had been a little girl growing up and there was Lizzo and there was Amy. I mean, I wonder how much of a difference we'll see that that I dang two people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You need two people. And yeah. that's what I'm saying like it's only it has to keep getting better. Like we're we're this is the beginning. We are very I much at the so. beginning phase. Yeah. So look up Lily Lufrow. I can't I can't remember how she spells her last name, but she's around Me Too stuff and okay. bodies. You'll okay. love this essay. It's okay. so good. So she talks about um you know, all that the Me Too debacles, which we can't go into as a whole other topic, but, uh, and the Aziz Ansari thing, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but the constant refrain of why didn't you just leave, right? Right. Yeah. You were uncomfortable. Why didn't you just go? Right. I think that maybe was true in the Aziz, but nevertheless, but in general. And Lily Loughborough says, you're uncomfortable, so you should make it stop. She's like, the conditions of femininity are that your sexuality is going to be uncomfortable. What do you do when you want to be, go out and be sexy? You put on uncomfortable high heels. You'll put on Spanx, which are not as bad as a girdle. You wear a push-up bra, mm-hmm. right? This is all how you can signal that you feel, this is, and this is how you feel sexual, right? That's not comfortable. That's not about your body feeling good. You don't get more access to your clitoris by wearing a heel. <laughs> right so she's like women's sexuality and desire when it comes to their bodies they assume it's going to be uncomfortable mm. so how are you going to know when this discomfort is a time when you should leave when the entirety of your sense of yourself and your body being desirable is ipso facto discomfort yeah it's a bra. it's like everything like it's always right. I'll never forget like watching early weight loss shows on like TLC. I wrote about them in bitch. Uh, and to a person at the end of the cert, the, uh, the weight loss, or sometimes it was plastic surgery, but it was often weight loss. Uh, the women went out and bought lingerie mm-hmm. and it was like, <gasps> mm-hmm. no, I can, I'd be like, bitch, you can, again, your clitoris is not inhibited 
by your size. But we are so, our sexuality is about how we look, not how we feel. Breast implants take away the feeling in your nipples, the pleasurable feeling in your nipples. Who cares? (laughs) That's how you experience your sexuality because of all the imagery that you're given. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to what you were saying at the beginning, which I think is just like another really important point to remember is it's all so learned and it's so inherent. And it's just like the way that we navigate the world at this point. And like, I think what's so interesting too, is I've talked to friends of mine who like, they're like, I'm a free woman. I'm in America. I'm told what, I don't need to be a feminist. What do you mean the world is sexist? What are you talking about? And it's like, no, that is how ingrained it is within you that you don't even know the amount of oppression that your female body holds Mm -hmm. in the world. Because that just seems like normal. That's just, that's just what it means to be a girl. Right. You know, it's not seen as like, and it, you know, you can be like, oh, in Saudi Arabia, they can't drive. And yeah, that fucking sucks. And women in America have it a lot better than yeah. a hell of a lot of other places. But that doesn't mean that we're free. Right. I mean, our pressure is under capitalism, is under media. I mean, it's different, mm-hmm. right? But it's not, um, I think that's a, it's a really uh, short-sighted, myopic, I mean, I would never say that my experience of oppression is equivalent to Sandra Plans, right? Like I'm not, you know, there is a tremendous amount of white privilege and middle class privilege that we all inhabit, but that doesn't mean that you can't then also uh, analyze how gender works in other insidious ways. Thank you so much. I'm sure you'll have to edit this. We just, I could talk to you for hours. Forever. I know I have to edit it down, but this was, it was so fun to talk to you. And yes, to you. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you, Dolly. Oh. I mean, I don't mean to get maternal because, but I'm so proud of you. Everything you've said, the decisions that you've made, the work that you're doing. Is your mother there? Can I thank her? <laughs> She's upstairs right now. <laughs> I will tell, but I'll show her this. Yes. Yeah, because I- Dolly, you're, you're amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for opening my mind, for exposing me to think about myself in a very critical way and society. And I really, I really appreciate it. And yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Have a fabulous rest of your day. All right. All right. I'm going to press leave now. Okay. I'm going to, me too. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.